Welcome to the Biopractica Professional Podcast Series. Biopractica is an Australian-owned, practitioner-only brand focusing on nutritional and herbal products proven to play a role in preventative medicine. Biopractica is committed to supporting healthcare professionals in developing their knowledge and skills so they can confidently and effectively tackle the major health challenges facing their patients today. To support this commitment, the Learning Hub was established by Biopractica to offer practitioners a collection of educational resources so they can stay informed on the latest in health science research. Welcome everyone. Today we are chatting about microbial metabolites. So we're going to be looking at what exactly those wonderful bacteria and fungi even in the gut are in fact doing for us. So part one, microbial metabolites 101. And Claire, thank you for deciding to join me for this chat today. Yes, we're going to be getting into some detail and some info today, aren't we, Paul? Well, we're going to attempt to because remember, yeah. for those of you who don't know, Claire and I do talk about the podcast before we uh, <laughs> hop into the recording booth and actually do this. Um, but, you know, look, microbial metabolites, we've sort of termed this one or given a loose title of microbial metabolites 101, some of the basics, mm. but it, there is no such thing as basics really, is there, for metabolites? <laughs> there isn't. You're so right. It's like so epic once you start delving into the data. But I think our vision for it, wasn't it, that we were like there's a lot of a lot of information out there that can make this concept of, you know, we've got a microbiome and they're making all these metabolites, like quite nebulous, a bit confusing. We're like, okay, how can we just provide some really nice foundational information for people mm -hmm. about the metabolites that uh, your and your patient's microbiomes are, are making and then what those metabolites are doing, you know, mm. are they good, are they bad? Like just give some really good foundational info that hopefully demystifies this subject a little bit and mm. maybe clarifies some things for you as well if this has been an area that you're like, oh, this is a bit grey and I don't really know, you know? Well, look, I, I think the first step is that a lot of people say, okay, it's about the bacteria. So I've got to take this probiotic. I've, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But, you know, it's about a specific probiotic because they are good bacteria. But remember, you know, and what I want to remind everyone of is it isn't in some ways it isn't the bacteria themselves. It's what those bacteria make. And so even though we talk mm -hmm. about good microbes, et cetera, and so forth, what makes them good is what they actually make, what they actually produce with what we sort of feed them. So I want to move mm -hmm. a step beyond the there's good bacteria and bad bacteria to mm -hmm. there's good microbial metabolites and bad microbial metabolites. And that, that's yeah. really sort of the direction, I guess, or, or one of the key things I wanted to get across and just reinforce for people today is that the bacteria themselves, you know, not good or not necessarily good nor bad, some obviously very bad metabolites, which are highly toxic, but generally it's more about what they actually make. And, and you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, we, we know there's literally, you know, billions, trillions of living organisms within our gut. We know that there's over a thousand different, say, species that normally inhabit the human gut. However, most people only have a certain sort of ratio of a couple hundred of those. I guess then it does turn out to what they can make. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you've got 10 or 10,000 of this and a million of that. Well, probably determined, you know, is determined by the metabolites they make. So I'm mm -hmm. going to give you a chance, Claire, to mention what is mm -hmm. one of your, those metabolites that you think is really important that uh, very often different gut bacteria make? What's your first mm -hmm. cab off the rank there? 
Yeah, and I think to your point that you were making just then, it's almost like when we're having this conversation, we can almost kind of look at our our probiotics or our, you know, commensal organisms, our gut microbiota as like the middlemen really, aren't they? Because Mm. it's Mm. actually about what they're making, but what they're Mm. making is actually largely dependent on the fuel that they're given. Mm -hmm. And this is what Mm -hmm. we, you know, we'll start to get into in this conversation of, you know, a gut that's fed this more, like this type of fuel, is more likely to produce more of this metabolite and maybe that's not Mm -hmm. so great. So, yeah, if we Mm. start to maybe go through our list of – so this is kind of what science has found are like the core metabolites Mm -hmm. that are quite common across every person's microbiome. Mm. Um, So, you know, first one, uh, which is obviously very important, uh, are our vitamins, you know, our B vitamins, Mm. especially things like B12 that our, that our body can't synthesize and it's really down to that mm. bacteria. So, you know, an amazing, amazing fact here is that bacterial synthesis, like them taking in fuel and producing B vitamins as their metabolite, mm. that can actually account to up to a quarter of our daily required intake of our vitamins. So that's like, that's significant, right? Like our gut mm. bacteria are really significantly adding to that pool of our B vitamins. Mm. And it's not just B12, it's our all of our Bs, literally B1, B2, B3, 5, yep. folate, uh, B6, all of it. They, they can synthesize yep. all of that. Yeah. So over to you then. What's another Well, well I was going to say, I, I think it is really, well, I, was, I just want to comment on that. I think it's really interesting because, you know, as practitioners, how often are we saying, oh, you need more vitamin B? Oh, you're very stressed. You need vitamin Bs. And, and I, I think, you know, given that, you know, bacterial synthesis could contribute up to a quarter of our daily suggest dietary intake that rather than necessarily, you know, it just makes me wondering clinic, should I supplement with bees or should I be saying, what is this person eating? What are they doing? Why does their body mm. need that supplementation? So mm. it is interesting when you realize the sheer amount that these actually can produce. Uh, so look, mm. I would have to say, absolutely. The fact that, um, you know, when we feed, you know, our normal microbial um, profile, I'll say good, good stuff, what we get back is absolutely, you know, a whole heap of these B group vitamins that so many people tend to take as supplements. I would have to say though, I would have to say my, my almost favorite microbial metabolite, of course, is the short chain fatty acids. So, you know, you butyrate, yes. uh, acetate, um, propionate. And remember these short chain fatty acids have enormous scope on people's overall health. So I think Sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking, okay, short chain fatty acids. Well, good. It's 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 fuel for our uh, clonic uh, enterocytes, which it, it absolutely is, and and that's great, and that really helps our gut health. But you know they've been associated with increased uh, browning of white adipose tissue. And when we're talking about overall metabolic health, we know that you know white adipose tissue not really as healthy brown adipose tissue plays a, mm. a a regulatory you know metabolic role you know some of these short chain fatty acids also are associated with decreasing inflammation some of these short chain fatty acids regulate people's food intake yeah and you, you know it, it's really so broad what these short chain mm. fatty acids 
do and so so you know and i i'll be honest with you i think even if we just ended the microbial metabolite conversation there going <laughs> oh my god short chain fatty acids and vitamins <laughs> what more do you need you know that, that you i want. think yeah <laughs> yeah what, what more could you want what can it do more than this this is already amazing yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I think to your point though, I think so much of the focus can be on those two. I mean, obviously because they're mm. so important, they're so beneficial. Like these are two of the good guys, right? Like two of our great mm. metabolites. Um, but I think this is maybe where some of that kind of it can become a bit murky and grey. And like, oh, do I as a clinician really know what the core metabolites are that my the microbiome mm. produces? Because so much of the limelight can go to these short chain fatty acids, but. There's mm. other key things that, you know, practitioners are probably all familiar with, familiar with, but it's probably just good for us to really kind of clarify it and, and list them all here and be like, okay, there's more to it than, you know, just the short-chain fatty acids. There's other things mm. that the um, microbiome, you know, is producing in terms of metabolites. All right. Shall we get to some of the ones that people don't always yes. discuss then? <laughs> I, I think another one that people would be familiar with is the gases. That's like a whole mm. group. But the umbrella under that is obviously we talk a lot about methane in terms of SIBO. This is mm. one where maybe like a tiny little bit there or your hydrogen is is acceptable, but as soon as they climb mm. too much, they can be associated with that overgrowth or with that, especially mm. with methane, that slowing of the gut motility. But the gut microbiome in terms of metabolites is also producing carbon dioxide. It's also mm. producing nitric oxide, which is cool mm. for me to learn. And that plays a role in regulating the health of the gut lining, the mucosa, and also, mm. as we know, with nitric oxide, you know, the blood flow in and around the gut. Mm. And hydrogen sulfide is another one. So they're kind of the ones mm. that are making up our gases, that group, as a group. And your hydrogen sulfide is another one that can wear both hats and that the poison is in the dose. Mm. Like we actually want a small amount of hydrogen sulfide because it helps to keep the gut cells healthy and protect the gut barrier, mm. but as soon as it gets too high, it becomes very pro-inflammatory, can start mm -hmm. to disrupt that mucus barrier. Mm -hmm. So things like your hydrogen sulfide predominant SIBO, you know, but can be mm. happening down in the lower bowel as well. But, but as you said, uh, you know, it, it's a, a quantity issue there for, isn't it? You know, mm. and, and and I think this is why we always use when we're often talking gut health and we're talking about gut microbes, it's about, you know, we keep coming back to the word balance. I, I notice the word balance coming up a lot. And, mm. and that is because, as you said, you know, hydrogen sulfide, well, I tell you now, if you're smelling hydrogen sulfide, it's just wrong, wrong, wrong. If on yeah. the other hand, as you said, there's small amounts of hydrogen sulfide in there in the in the gut, it is really important for keeping those gut cells uh, healthy and actually helping the barrier function. And so once again, I think we're at this point where we don't look anymore at something as being right or wrong, toxic or non-toxic. That you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it is the sheer outright amount. Um, and that if we don't understand that there is a, a a sheer amount, and that you know, it's about modifying those amounts, then then we're not going to get the benefit. Mm. And that yeah, j just avoiding the poison isn't always uh, the the solution itself either. Yeah, and it's that's that's such a good point that you make because so much of this, which I think, so much of this conversation, which I think we're starting to get to as like a scientific body, as a profession, you know, is that there's 
all of our bacteria aren't inherently good or bad. It's that pathobiont mm. conversation of when they overgrow, mm. you know, and, and it's yep. not as simple as, oh, I see that someone has, you know, a proteobacteria, you know, mm. a, a species of proteobacteria, and they're more likely to, you know, produce that LPS or be very pro-inflammatory or produce mm. something like your hydrogen sulfide. Oh, I just have to eradicate it. Like, no, mm -hmm. it's exactly mm -hmm. like you said about actually I just need to get it down into the level where it's mm -hmm. harmoniously coexisting with the rest of the microbiome. And it's not just like you said with the probiotics that we should just give them or not. It's like, mm -hmm. no, that bacteria has a place within this person's mm -hmm. commensal microbiota. It's more about the amount, whether it's mm -hmm. high or low. And, and that's what we need to be bringing into balance. And exactly like you said, it's, it's not necessarily the the microbe. It's what it's making. Like it's mm. it's it's more about okay, that level of bacteria is high, so the amount of hydrogen sulfide it's going to be producing is higher. That's what we need to work on. Yeah. Look, and I think it's interesting because we've briefly touched on short chain fatty acids, vitamins, you know, gases. I was reading a paper though that was looking at a Japanese diet, and you know, as we all know, that you know, raw fish is something, that, and seaweeds are often found in uh, some of the more traditional Japanese diets. And I was talking about the fact that some of the bacteria that come in on the seaweed actually have enzymes that or produce enzymes actually help people break down ironically things like this quite specific enzymes that will help break down different fleshes of seaweed or sea creatures so mm. it's really interesting that you know that there's enzymes in here as well sure short chain fatty acids are something that they make but some of these bacteria actually will produce enzymes as well and it makes sense because these bacteria mm. have to break these things down anyway yes that's exactly it yeah, there's a whole world going on in there, isn't there? Mm. And I feel like we're just tapping the surface. Like if you read any paper on all of the metabolites that the gut is making and they're trying to classify mm. them and, you know, link all the conditions associated, they're also like there is so many that we haven't even named, characterized mm -hmm. or classified yet. So I think how fascinating would it be to come back, I don't know where we would be, but come back and mm. have this conversation in 10 years and be like how many mm. more groups could we add to this list, you know, that we now realize mm. – oh my gosh, maybe they're just as important as the short-chain fatty acids. Like it's still, um, mm. we know so much more than we knew five years ago, but it is still like, just still exploding, isn't it? Which is really, really interesting. Oh, look, absolutely, absolutely. And, mm. you know, I remember when I first found out that, you know, sort of hormones, neurotransmitters are also some of the metabolites. And I remember that just blew my brain thinking, hang yeah. on a second. You mean they actually produce some level of serotonin or dopamine or GABA? That just absolutely blew my mind that, you know, these sorts of things are metabolites. And you're right. One of the reasons I think short-chain fatty acids are so amazing is because there's so much uh, research done on them. <laughs> we know mm. so much about them. We can really exactly. appreciate them. And I yeah. don't think there is quite as much... Or are you aware of a huge body of research in regard to things like, the, as I said, the serotonin, dopamine, GABA, all those sorts of things in regards to uh, gut metabolites? Yeah, like it's definitely not as high as your short-chain fatty acids, as you said, but mm. I think this real explosion, which I think we'll also look at at part two of this metabolites conversation, I think there's been quite strong interest in this because of this whole gut-brain link and this link, mm. therefore, that 
oh, the gut, you know, metabolites of the microbiome making neurotransmitters. What does that mean for our mental health and our cognition and Mm -hmm. things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's? Like, so I think this is a very growing body, but I think Mm -hmm. it's still kind of establishing, you know, like it's, it's not, not the same body as of evidence as your short-term fatty acids. Yeah. No, no, that, that, that's Mm -hmm. right. But as you said, that is something that we will have a chat about in our next podcast when we do sort of, I think, look at some of those things a bit more. So let's keep talking though about some of the Mm. other metabolites. And uh, Mm -hmm. one that I, I found quite interesting was the branch chain amino acids. Yes. So your gut microbiome can produce branched-chain amino acids, which I'm sure all of the gym goers must have been very <laughs> happy right. to hear about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, the, you know, this is the one that is a little bit in a bit of a grey area in that mm. what is now starting to happen is that we're seeing elevations in certain metabolites, like here we're discussing mm. branched-chain amino acids, and then they're finding correlations or associations with certain disease states. And it's very mm. important for us with where the evidence is currently at to not get that confused with causation. Like it's definitely that the evidence is not there. And I think the body's probably way too complex for one microbial metabolite to be causing a disease. But Mm. this is where, you know, a a good level of these is normal and accepted in the gut. It's a common, these are common metabolites produced by the gut, but when there Mm. are elevated levels, which can Mm. then obviously get into circulation via the blood, they have actually been found to be associated with things like insulin resistance, diabetes, Mm. you know, your more metabolic syndrome Mm. type presentations. Mm. So this is where we then, you know, have interesting conversations around, okay, if someone with diabetes has high levels of your branched chain amino acids, how much could Mm. their gut microbiome potentially be contributing to that? And, you know, what could we potentially then be doing to try and manipulate that gut to reduce down those production of those metabolites. Absolutely. But remember, Mm. so much of this, you know, the branched chain amino acids are being produced because of the microbes working on the protein. And and I think it's really ironic we talk about the higher levels of these can correlate with insulin resistance, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, because people will often say, I need a higher protein diet because I have insulin resistance. I need a higher protein diet because I have signs of metabolic syndrome. And that we are potentially, uh, when, when we're not really standing back and looking at things from the big picture, if we only get too reductionist, there is a chance we're going to be having a diet and we're going to feed our microbes certain foods that may in fact drive what we're trying to treat. Yeah. Isn't that so, that's such a good point to make. And I think mm. I see, you see this with people that are like, I'm doing a high protein diet. I'm doing keto. Mm-hmm. What happens mm-hmm. is the meat and the eggs and the whatever just piles up and up and up on the plate and the veggies drop off like the fiber. Mm. You're so right. Mm. Like if we are really going to bring the conversation, if we're really going to bring the microbe and it's microbiome and its metabolites into this conversation we have to then look at well what do they like your metabolism mm. might like protein what is your which mm. microbiome one we've got to try and be meeting the needs of both well well that that sort of leads into something else a comment i wanted to make which is let's be honest we can talk about research all day we can talk about what the research says you know different sorts of metabolites that your gut microbiome can make if I was to try and distill down from all the reading and things that I've done, basically, let's be honest, and, I, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, Claire, 
a, a pretty much a whole foods plant-based diet. That doesn't mean to the exclusion of animal protein, but you know, the, the vast majority of people's caloric intake coming from a whole food plant-based diet is going to correlate with a better overall spread of metabolites being made by our microbiota. And it doesn't matter so much then if you have some microbes in there that would say, oh, that one's not ideal. It seems to sort of come down to what you feed them. And that if we Mm. feed them the right sorts of things, we're likely to have better health outcomes. You know, there's something called trimethylamine. Mm-hmm. Um, and trimethylamine, you know, uh, can be produced by the gut microbes. However, you know, and by the way, it's associated once again with diabetes, risk of diabetes, obesity, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. But, you know, what drives that is meat-rich diets. And, and it's not always about saying, right, what exactly are the microbes in the gut? It does come down to what else we're feeding them. Yes, it's that middleman conversation, isn't it? It's like what they're being mm. fed and therefore what they produce. Mm. Because the fascinating thing is when you start to look at like sequencing someone's microbiome, like sequencing their genetic profile, one, mm. um, if we use, the, you know, just one organism, one bacteria, it might have genes encoding for being able to consume simple sugars, being able to consume mm. fat, being able to consume protein. It's normally some combination. It's not as simple as all my good bacteria just consume fiber and all my bad bacteria mm. consume fat and, and you know, and protein yeah. from a diet. It's like they actually all have the capacity to be consuming lots of because they just want to survive, mm. right? So if all that's going mm. into this person's digestive tract is, is meat and eggs, then they're mm. going to figure out, you know, they're going to turn on those genes that can eat meat and eggs. And so it's yeah. exactly, they're just this middle step of if I put the good stuff in, they'll make mm-hmm. the good stuff. It's mm. my very simplistic way of, you know, reiterating yeah, your yeah. point. It's exactly right in that if we have this really meat-rich diet, you try methylamine, uh, it gets produced when there's decent levels of carnitine in the diet, which is from mm-hmm. your meat, you know, meat-rich diets, then if someone has a high level of that and you're seeing that on a microbiome analysis, then you're like, right, mm-hmm. sure, maybe if this person is otherwise healthy, they're young, they don't have a strong cardiometabolic or cardiovascular family history or personal history, I've got some time and some wriggle room here mm-hmm. where we can kind of work on this and it's maybe not the be-all and end-all. If you're dealing with a person who comes in and they're older and they're overweight mm-hmm. and they've already got high blood pressure and they've got a strong family history, you know, their mm-hmm. dad died of a heart attack when he's 45, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is a significant metabolite that we need to be working mm-hmm. on in this person's diet. So, you know, I think that's always a nice thing to always be bringing back into always be treating the person and not the test results but these metabolites really highlight what fuel needs to be going into this person's body based on how good or bad this metabolite profile Mm. is looking oh look absolutely and and i think also on the subject of metabolites you know things like cholesterol is in fact a metabolite Mm. from some of our microbes If, if we go back to it well, it's probably just dependent on what you feed it. I mean, do you think if you're mm. feeding it lots of, uh, you know, um, plant fibres, the uh, microbes are going to be producing cholesterol? No, I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what fuel have they got? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. in what body, you know, is that going to be yes. an issue or not an issue again? So it's like, yeah, it's such a 
nuanced conversation. But the lipids, mm. yeah, that the um, microbiome can produce, they're, they're interesting. Cholesterol mm. just being one. Um, yeah, absolutely. What are some of the other ones? We've got phospholipids, you know, mm-hmm. that your, your microbiome can produce your phospholipids. And included yep. in this group is our LPS, our lipopolysaccharides. Mm. So mm-hmm. you've got a pretty dysbiotic uh, microbiome if you're – if your gut's pumping out lots of those, oh, yeah. that's a big, yeah, yeah. big red flag yeah. to be doing some work there and really changing up their fuel sources, I'd say. But I was going to say, then again, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, there, there is that talk about a high-fat diet being pro-inflammatory. We know LPS is pro-inflammatory. So I guess, you know, if we, if we sort of follow that path, mm-hmm. you know, we're basically saying, sure, feed your microbiome a high-refined high fat diet. Hey, look, it can churn out LPS. And hence why, therefore, as I said, if we go for more whole foods, plant-based diet, if we look at some of those blue zone type diets, you know, a lot Mm. of those have small amounts of reasonable quality protein. So you're not necessarily going to wind up with huge amounts of these branch chain amino acids. The the lipids in there aren't necessarily going to get converted because of the kind of lipids they are to start with into Mm. LPS or cholesterol. Mm. So, you know, it really tucks back into what not you know if we want to know what they're going to make what are we going to feed them yeah and i suppose this relates a little bit into this last group that we're going to look at which is your bile acids so we Mm -hmm. all know that our liver itself synthesizes bile acids gets sent to the gallbladder that gets released in there are actually some bacteria that can then consume those bile acids and Mm. then convert them into secondary bile acids and then those can be associated with things like again non-alcoholic fatty liver disease obesity Mm. IBD and so exactly you know points to that conversation that you had of like okay if you have a fat rich diet there's going to be more bile acids in Mm -hmm. the intestinal lumen for these bacteria to be consuming in the first place so yeah just what a knock-on effect that can have if there's not that real presence of plant-based food fiber protein yeah this this metabolite profile like the word that you used before what's what's the overall profile and kind of picture of the metabolites that this person's gut is producing it will give you a lot of insights probably into why they have the gut symptoms that they probably have and why they have their systemic health issues and inflammatory issues that they probably have because this gut microbiome is just not getting the fuel that it needs to make the metabolites that the body needs to be healthy Look, that, that, that's right. What, what also, though, I think it's probably a good point to make right now is we can talk about, so everyone knows this probiotics and this probiotics been researched and it seems to X, Y, Z. But once again, what are the people consuming when they are having a probiotic supplement? So it's fine to say, you know, okay, go away and start taking this probiotic, probiotic ABC, whatever specific strain it is, great. But then once again, if you're just going to have a high-fat diet and a high-sugar diet while you're taking that probiotic strain, are you even going to get any benefit at all? And, of course, the mm. answer is probably not likely. Um, no. Because, yeah. That, that's a bit of a what, garden what hose on a bushfire situation, mm. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, absolutely. Absolutely. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, it's one of those scenarios I think that people just really do need to take into account because everyone wants the world to be simple. Everyone wishes you could just give a probiotic and it would do all of these wonderful things. 
And we know there's various reasons why it won't. There can already be a dysbiosis going on there, et cetera, and so forth. But, you know, coming down to what we actually feed it, I think, is um, is absolutely important. But, you know, we, we unfortunately are pretty much out of time, um, Claire. So just before we do yes. the wrap, is, is there anything else you want to throw in at this point mm. for our gut metabolites 101? What I'm hoping is that any practitioner listening to this is like, oh, yeah, they've gone through all of these classes, uh, all these different groups of the metabolites, like the core metabolites that every person's microbiome is probably making, whether it's good mm -hmm. or bad, or at least has the mm -hmm. potential to make. All of those are actually somewhat similar, uh, familiar to me at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I just hope mm -hmm. that that kind of provides that clarity. You know, we can kind of list them all again at the end, just, just a review and a wrap. But Mm -hmm. just to give you that confidence and to kind of demystify or unmuddy anything that you're thinking. Like if you're across these, then you're actually across the core metabolites that a person's mm -hmm. or your patient's microbiome could be producing mm -hmm. that would then be influencing their health either positively or negatively. And that's what we were mm -hmm. really, I think, trying to get across in this podcast of let's just kind of sum this all up and group them all together so someone can have one mm -hmm. nice, neat kind of resource to do a little like rehash of these metabolites. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I guess that's the thing. So we know that they can, not do, can, you know, make vitamins, short-chain fatty acids, you know, the different gases. And remember, some gases in large amounts, not so good. Small amounts, actually really important. And that even does mm -hmm. include, you know, hydrogen, methane, you know, the, the gut can deal with a lot of those gases in the right amount. But, you know, the, the fact that there's things that have an impact on gut-brain axis, you know, uh, that some of these will actually help, you know, cleave out the tryptophan from our diet and things like that, that there's serotonin, dopamine, GABA, all of those things potentially being produced as metabolites from from our microbes, you know, and, and you know, we, we did joke a bit about branched-chain amino acids and we pointed out that I think the danger of some people going into high levels of BCAAs when, you know, and as you, I think you said, when someone's younger, great, that's fine. When someone's a little bit older and they've got a history of heart disease, maybe it's an issue. But, that you know, we know that the microbes can produce all these sorts of things, but it really does seem to be what we fundamentally feed them. And also, mm -hmm. though, that as practitioners, when we're choosing a probiotic for our patients, we should take the time to look at where's the research and what sort of metabolites it produces. We should take the time to look at what sorts of, um, is there any specific food we should be giving this to get that benefit? And, and while it's fine to say generally plant-based diets are going to favour better metabolite profiles, you know, I, I, think, I, I think that's probably really the take-home message here for me yeah that's a really good point that definitely helps to shift it which of course you know yeah but it, it's, it's really clear when you go through this list of your key met like metabolite groups that mm. it's, it's very clear that that is what will help to shift it um, in a better direction so yes you mentioned branched chain amino acids and then the other last three groups that we talked about is your trimethylamine uh, your lipids, mm -hmm. which includes your cholesterol, your phospholipids, and your LPS, and then also yep. our bile acids. So I think that has a, mm. has a set of about eight key groups of mm. metabolites that your gut or your patient's gut can, will, maybe, will be making 
depending on what they're feeding it, to your point. Absolutely. And, and really importantly, and that the evidence points to having an impact on, I'll call it overall health, and, and a lot of it in regards to, I guess, blood sugar metabolism, insulin, metabolic health mm -hmm. and things like that mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Which I think that's it, right? Like a lot of this reflects you feed a refined high-fat diet, you end up with metabolites that support mm -hmm. diet and lifestyle-based chronic diseases. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it kind of all makes sense at the end of the day. It really does. It really does. And it's interesting yeah. that we've had to dig into the metabolites to just realise <laughs> that there's a healthy diet and there's not so healthy diet. But at least we understand what's happening in the back end that yeah. makes some of these diets, you know, re really not, not so healthy. And, um, you know, I think that really is the key point. Unfortunately, Claire, uh, that is all we have time for in this podcast. Mm -hmm. So look, thank you, everyone. Thank you, most importantly, Claire, for deciding to sit Thanks down and chat, uh, have a chat. Yep. I always look forward to our weekly chats. But for everyone else and also for you, Claire, time to get ready to prepare for this. Next time, we should have a look at microbial metabolites and I'd like to focus on their influence on gut-brain axis. How's that sound to you? Sounds good. Let's dive into it next time here. Excellent. All right. Well, yeah. thank you, Claire. I'll see you next time. And everyone else, take care. We'll catch up again with you soon. To continue the conversation or find out more about our products and educational resources, please head to biopractica.com.au. Biopractica, empowering healthcare professionals.